Welcome back to Psych Your Crime. I'm your host, Nicole Mann. I want to thank everyone for listening and let you know how much I appreciate you and your support. And we have reached a thousand downloads. Thank you so much. You can always drop by our patron page or give us a one-time donation through Venmo. The links will be down below as always. We also appreciate if you can rate us on whatever forum you listen to us on. It really helps us get on the recommended lists you see on the first page. I want to give a shout out to Finland coming in there out of nowhere with all those downloads. Many people may not know this, but when I was in fourth grade, we did a countries of the world unit and Finland was my country. Had a nice little traditional garb, uh, nice salt map. Uh, the dish was a lot like quiche. I definitely can't remember what it was called. It was a minute ago, but it was fun. Now, uh, I want to remind you that we are now part of the 4041 Media family. And we really appreciate all the support from the other podcasts. This week, we are going to take a look at Folia Du. Now, in researching this podcast, I found several articles and lists that actually misidentify Folia Du. It is a shared psychotic disorder. And it is rare, extremely rare. In this delusional disorder shared by two or occasionally more people with extremely close emotional ties, an extensive review of the literature about cases of folia du found that there could be cases of folia trois, three people, folia coutre, four people, folia famille, an entire family. In the most recent update, to the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders, 5th edition, or the DSM-5. Shared psychotic disorder was removed as a separate disease entity, and it was included under the section on specified schizophrenic spectrum and additional psychotic disorders. So in this updated version, it exists as delusional symptoms in a partner of an individual with delusional disorder. According to the DSM-5, in the context of the relationship, the delusional material from the dominant partner provides content for delusional beliefs by the individual or submissive who may not otherwise entirely meet criteria for delusional disorder, which means they normally would probably not be diagnosed as having delusions or any type of delusional disorder had they never met the other individual who was suffering from delusions. Now, the other diagnostic criteria for induced delusional disorder, a foliatu, is two people or two people or more who share the same delusion or delusional system and support one another in its belief. They have an unusually close relationship. Contextual evidence exists and indicates the delusion was induced in the passive person by contact with the dominant individual with the active delusions. Now, many of the articles and lists that I found included the Moore's murderers, Ian Brady and Myra Hindley, 
we actually discuss them in episode six. They do have a dominant submissive relationship with the submissive Myra suffering from severe self-esteem issues. In her desperation to hold on to Ian, Myra began helping him kidnap, torture, and murder young boys. Neither of the two suffered any psychosis or delusions, ergo no shared delusions. Another couple, well, maybe not couple, but team that is on several of these lists is Leopold and Lowe. Now, in their case, they were what are called Nietzsche killers. Nathan Leopold and Richard Loeb were very wealthy young men that people reported were attached to the hip, best of friends, always together. Now, they became obsessed with the teachings of philosopher Frederick Nietzsche. Nietzsche believed in something called the Superman, people who were perfect. They had the perfect intellect. They had the perfect moral views. They were just the most upstanding and well-rounded of citizens. What happened was Loeb manipulated the fact that Leopold was a deeply closeted homosexual during a time frame when homosexuality was not accepted. He took Leopold's attraction to him and used it to convince the boy to help him commit the perfect murder in order to show everyone that they were the Superman. They then kidnapped and murdered a 14-year-old boy. But as soon as they were su suspected of the crime, they turned on each other. Once again, no shared delusions, therefore, no fully ado. Now, however, this week's case of Folia Du involves the, a viral creepy pasta. That's right, the Slenderman case. In 2009, an online forum called Something Awful announced a Photoshop contest to create a fake supernatural photographs. Images so convincing, they would pass as the real thing in other online paranormal forums. Eric Knudsen submitted two black and white photos of an impossibly tall, thin, and faceless creature stalking children. According to the website Know Your Meme, one of the captions read, We didn't want to go. We didn't want to kill them. But its persistent silence and outstretched arms horrified and comforted us at the same time. Knudsen called his monster Slender Man. The legend of Slender Man morphed and grew as people contributed to his story, writing fan fiction and creating their own forged photos in a kind of modern day tech fueled folklore. Dressed in a black suit, Slender Man has black tentacles protruding from his back. He can stretch his arms to inhuman lengths and is often pictured lurking in leafless forests are behind unsuspecting children. Legend says he can cause memory loss, coughing fits, which are referred to as slender sickness, and according to Know Your Meme, a litany of paranoid behavior. He can remove your organs, impale you on a tree, or stalk you slowly and drive you to madness. Slender Man is now a facsimile of the Puritan devil. He is everywhere every day, a specter of our anxieties about raising children in a world where technology reigns 
and the lines between reality and fantasy grow dimmer. Morgan Geyser and Anissa Weir, both 12, discovered Slenderman on a creepypasta wiki, a website dedicated to internet horror stories. Its tagline, proudly hosting 12,151 of your worst nightmares since 2010, excuse me, they believed he was real. Morgan Geyser and Anissa Weir believed that they would need to become proxies of Slenderman, thereby proving their dedication to him and his existence to his skeptics. To do so, they would have to kill someone. In February, the girls decided to carry their act out on May 30th, the night that Geyser planned to celebrate her 12th birthday. In the intervening months, Geyser and Weir whispered about their plan, sometimes while riding the bus, often using code words like camping trip to refer to the Nicolet National Forest in Wisconsin's North Woods where they believe Slender Man lived. On the evening of Friday, May 30th, Geyser, Weir, and their chosen victim went roller skating, then headed back to Geyser's house for a sleepover. Geyser and Weir knew they were going to stab their friend at 2 a.m. And how? Cover the girl's mouth with duct tape, stab her in the neck, and then pull covers over her. Then they'd run. But they didn't kill their friend that night. I wanted to give the girl one more day, Geyser told police. So the next morning, Geyser and Weir's new plan was to stab the victim in a bathroom at a local park. But they finally ended up attacking her in the woods during a game of hide and seek. Weir pushed the girl down and sat on her, thinking that Geyser would then stab her. The victim started yelling and complaining she couldn't breathe, so Weir got off of her. Geyser gave Weir the knife, but Weir said she felt too squeamish and she gave it back to Geyser. I'm not going to do it until you tell me to, Geyser said to her. And so Geyser said, go ballistic, go crazy. And Weir said, now. Then as Geyser told police, it was stabby, stab, stab time. I'm sorry, but this definitely does not sound like some cold blooded killer. This sounds like children thinking they're playing a game. The girl stabbed the victim 19 times, piercing her liver, her pancreas and stomach barely missing an artery near her heart. The victim cried and the girls told the police that they remembered her screaming, I hate you and I trusted you. After the attack, Ware stated that she and Geyser told the girl to lay down and be quiet and they would get help. Instead, they ran away. It was the hope that she would die and they would see Slender and know that he exists. But the girl crawled out of the woods and onto a sidewalk where a bicyclist found her. Please help me, she asked. I've been stabbed. When a police officer arrived, she said she was in extreme pain. And when they asked who hurt her, she said that it was her best friend. The girl was rushed to a hospital and doctors stated she was one millimeter away from death. It was there 
In the hospital, she told police about a second assailant. Police found Geyser and Weir near Interstate 94 more than four hours later. One of them had a knife with a five-inch blade in her bag. When questioned by police, the girls expressed regret mixed with intent. I believe it's ending a life, and I regret that, Weir said. The bad part of me wanted her to die, but the good part of me wanted her to live. Now, there were similarly dismaying details from Geyser's point of view during her interview. She stated, when asked again why they're going to stab her, it seems necessary. When Geyser was asked what she was trying to do when she stabbed the victim, Geyser said, I might as well just say it, I was trying to kill her. Geyser told police she was sorry, saying, it was weird, I didn't feel remorse. Geyser and Weir were charged as adults. Remember, they were both 12 years old when this happened. But they were charged as adults for attempted first-degree intentional homicide with each facing 65 years in prison. 12-year-olds were facing 65 years in prison. For more than a year after she was jailed, Geyser continued to believe that she could communicate with Slender Man and Lord Voldemort from the Harry Potter books. It wasn't until her family petitioned a judge to civilly commit her that she was moved to a mental health institution where she was diagnosed and treated for schizophrenia. That was when it was revealed that her belief in Slender Man was a symptom of her schizophrenia, one of her delusions. She actually believed she had been seeing Slender Man multiple times throughout her life before she had ever read about him on Creepypasta. Weir, on the other hand, having no other friends, blindly followed her best friend's belief and began to believe in this delusion that Slenderman was real and they needed to kill someone in order to protect their families and prove that he was real. Now, I find it very difficult to believe that they would charge two 12-year-olds that are telling you freely that they committed a heinous murder in the name of what basically amounts to a viral boogeyman, let alone that you didn't immediately get them interviewed by a forensic psychologist to determine their competency. Like any 12 year old, like anyone under the age of like 15 or even a 15 or 16 year old teenager saying, I killed them for Satan or I killed them. I would immediately believe and hope that they would get them you know, seen by a psychiatrist to determine that they could um, stand trial, that they were able to stand trial. Now, Angie Geyser, who is Morgan's mother, said she saw a dramatic change in her daughter after she was able to get mental health help. The best way to describe it is that it was like a light came back on in her eyes. She said it was hard for people to believe that she did not know that her daughter was mentally ill before the day of the stabbing. She stated, if I had any idea that she actually believed Slenderman was real, we would have done something. We had no idea. 
I think on some level, I'll always feel responsible for not knowing my daughter wasn't well. As a mother, you're supposed to be there to protect your child. And, you know, I think on some level, I'll always feel that I failed in that regard. Now, Anthony Cotton, who is Anissa Weir's attorney, so that it was clear to him from the moment that he met Morgan that she was struggling with mental illness. It was apparent right out the gate. She'd be looking around the room. She'd be looking in the corner. She seemed to be responding to things that weren't in the room. It was odd. Now, their victim was discharged a week after the attack and has fully recovered. Now, we are pled guilty on August 2017 and began and she her charges were being a party to attempted second degree homicide however a jury decided in september 2017 and that she was not responsible for her actions due to mental illness the jury decided that she would be sent to a mental hospital for not less than three years with a maximum of 25 years the Wacushis County Circuit Judge Michael Bohren, who sentenced her retroactively to the date of the crime, meaning she's going to be institutionalized until age 37. Before her sentencing, Weir issued an apology for the crime. I do hold myself accountable for this, and I will do whatever I have to do to make sure I don't get any sort of delusion or anything like that again, she stated. I want everybody involved to know that I deeply regret everything that happened that day and I know that nothing I say will make it right and nothing I say is going to fix what I broke. Now, Geyser pled guilty in October of 2017 to a charge of attempted first-degree murder in a deal she made with prosecutors to avoid jail time. Geyser's sentence was handed down in February of 2018 after a day of testimony from expert witnesses about the teenager's progress in psychological treatment. While she had made progress, according to experts, the Waukesha County Circuit Judge Michael Boren determined she needed further treatment. We can't forget what we are dealing with. We can't for this forget this is an attempted murder. Boren stated right before he announced his decision of 40 years in a mental institution. He also noted that this was due to the fact that the crime was premeditated. Geyser's defense attorneys had argued that the teenager was a first-time offender who needed treatment but could be reintegrated back into society. Geyser apologized to the victim and her family when given an opportunity to speak. I never meant this to happen, and I hope that she is doing well. But that is not the end. In January of 2019, just this year, Geyser appealed her sentence. In a 46-page brief filed in the Wisconsin Court of Appeals, Geyser's attorney, Matthew Pinnix, a partner at Pinnix and Soakup, asserted that the Wakosha County Circuit Court never should have tried her as an adult given her mental illness. It reads, the juvenile court, not the adult court, had exclusive jurisdiction over her crime and the circuit court should have discharged her adult court case following her preliminary hearing. 
It also wants the state appeals court to conclude that her statements to police were obtained in violation of her constitutional rights. According to the brief that was filed, the mythology of Slenderman combined with her undiagnosed mental illness led her to believe that Slenderman had been visiting her since she was a toddler. Of course, Slenderman never actually visited her. The interactions were a hallucination and a byproduct of her mental illness. As would later come out during competency proceedings, Geyser did not fully understand the legal system or how it applied to her even three weeks after she signed the Miranda form. Admittedly, the brief states that the tactics by the police used against her may have passed muster with a fully functioning adult, but Geyser is far from that. She did not understand her legal rights, including what it meant to get an attorney. The interviewing detective repeatedly minimized the seriousness of her crime and the effect of confessing to it. On balance, the tactics police used on Geyser were coercive and most certainly overwhelmed whatever minimal ability she had to resist. As of now, May 2019, there has not been a decision on her appeal. This appeal shows the slippery slope of charging minors, especially those under 14, as adults, as many have little to no understanding of the legal system or their rights within it. Well, that's it for this week's episode. Join us in two weeks when we look into the case of a retired FBI agent driven to murder. In the meantime, I hope you sleep better knowing the how and why people do such awful things.